Hey everyone, we continue our read through of the New Testament. Today we are in 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 1 was so deeply and theologically dense, and it was just a fascinating opening to take these suffering saints and to set their eyes on the glories of God and the salvation they have therein and the reality that their suffering is in no way meaningless but is there to bring about the genuineness of their faith to purify them and to make them more like Christ. And chapter 2 is is no less dense and no less powerful. Let's look at it now beginning with the first 12 verses. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. We'll go ahead and stop right here for now. This is an incredible reality of what will help strive them to the glorious realities of what the rest of the letter is going to call them to do in submission in their lives, how they are to live in direction towards the world around them, beginning first and foremost with authorities of the world. In order to be able to endure and to properly submit in glorious faith, You have to understand who you are in Christ. And that's what this is all about, right? We are to grow up. We need to grow up. These individuals long for pure spiritual milk. They have yearned and hungered for the Word of God. And and this is the Word. This is the truth that they need to know in order to grow up. And that is that they have come to Christ who himself was a rejected stone. So don't be shocked when you're rejected by the world. You know, people say, oh, if you were just more like Jesus, the world would love you. No, they wouldn't. They killed Jesus. And so I think it may have been Spurgeon who said, be weary when the world speaks well of you. Right? And and that's, that's so true. The world hated Christ. And so if it just loves you and eats you up, perhaps you aren't reflecting Christ very much. So this is a great comfort. You're being rejected, but take heart. You belong to him who is rejected. 
and your rejection is merely a mark that you belong to him and you are being built up as living stones into a spiritual house. This is the house, the eternal house of the Lord, which the Messiah would build, the eternal house of David, right? A house for the Lord, which would be built up and expand forever and ever where the Messiah would reign and rule where the presence of God would be experienced by all who come to it. And we have become that temple. We have become the spiritual house of the Lord, but not only a house, the priesthood who offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. What are those spiritual sacrifices? They're you and me. We are living sacrifices offered up to the Lord, right? We are being built up upon the cornerstone. This beautiful quotation coming out of Isaiah 26. The cornerstone which is Christ built up upon him and thus immovable and unshakable. But for everyone who refuses to believe, that stone is, will be what will crush them. It will be a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They will trip up on him all day. And therefore, if you're attached to him, you will trip people up. You will be seen as an offense to them. They will want nothing to do with you. Because you stand for Christ. Because you're connected to Christ. And that connection is unmistakable. At least it should be. Because we're a chosen race. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for his own possession. This is clearly indicating the fact that that the church has become the fullness, right? of, Of Israel. This is not a replacement of Israel. It is an extension of what Israel always was. God's chosen people. And the church is merely the extension of it underneath the rule of Christ, Israel's Messiah. Because Christ is Israel's Messiah, he has the right to constitute what is Israel. And what is Israel? Everything grafted to him. Ethnic Jew and ethnic Gentile, the only thing that matters are you grafted by faith into Christ. If you're not, you are either cut off. When he came and rejected him, that's the picture of the natural branches being cut away in Romans 11. Or you are a wild olive branch that has now been grafted in and therefore connected to the vine of Christ. Therefore, you bear this mark, chosen race, royal priesthood, a holy nation, people for his own possession. And this has been given to us so that we can be a people who speak and proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. Right, We were once not a people, but now we are a people. We are God's people. Not just a people, God's people. Once we were at enmity with God, but now we have received mercy. And because of all these glorious truths of who we are, the call now is to what we ought to be. And the answer is, is as sojourners and exiles in this world, we are to fight the passions of the flesh, to make war against things which make war against our soul, right? That we are to keep our conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when any time someone speaks against them, that they see that they're good, good deeds and will ultimately glorify God on the day of visitation. In other words, everything about them will be a reflection of the Christ who is going to return on the day of visitation. And they will say, There will be without excuse 
Because everything about the lives of those that they persecuted was a constant testimony to the goodness and glories of Christ. Is that your life? Is your life a constant testimony of the goodness and glory of Christ? Let it be so, brothers and sisters. And the first way in which Peter now shows them and how their conduct is to, is to be good and to bring glory to God is in relation to worldly authorities. Verse 13 to the end of the chapter. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if you, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it and you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 1 Peter 2, 13 through the end of the chapter is um, really one of those texts that has been so misused and misunderstood by so many. But the clear reality of it is, is be a good citizen. Be a good citizen who lives for the Lord who doesn't seek to constantly be in rebellion, who is using their freedoms to to indulge and to be just like everybody else, right? to recognize that all these human institutions, even even when they have been fallen and misused, they were established by the authority of God. And we should rightfully call those institutions to the truth of God in every situation, right? But it's our job to pray for them. It's our job to do the right things, to faithfully abide and live by the law, right? To do the right things and to live as servants of God. And this is not out of anything towards the emperor, right? Honor the emperor, he says. Who was the emperor? This is Nero. This is the guy that's going to kill Peter. You honor him by praying him, by being respectful, by speaking truth and love to them, not revolting and trying to assassinate and hurt them. I mean, this is... This, is, this would have not been in anything in which they were to live in light of this. This was to be something in where they faithfully observed the laws that were just, and they rejected the laws that were wicked. If it meant dying, right? This isn't just breaking the law because you don't like it. It's saying, I'm not going to go with a law that undermines the clear teaching of God's word. Anything that prohibits me from doing God's word or calls me to go against, or calls me to do something that I know would be against God's word, that's when we just say, no, we're not going to do that. 
We're not going to bow the knee to Nebuchadnezzar like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? We're not going to stop praying like Daniel. Right? We're not going to do that. We're going to follow the Lord. And we're going to do that while praying for the one who seeks to harm us in the midst of it. Because we do this out of a glory for God. We do this knowing that if when we suffer for doing good, we reflect Christ who suffered the greatest injustice in all human history. My friends, we don't need to revile. Vengeance belongs to the Lord and He will vindicate His people. He will absolutely, overwhelmingly, utterly vindicate His people. There is no injustice that will go unanswered by the great judge of heaven. And the knowledge that He will justly judge allows us to live faithfully and not with vengeance. The knowledge that the vengeance belongs to the Lord allows us to forgive, it frees us to love, and it frees us to recognize that we don't have to take the, up the measures of men to try to make the world right. We have the only message that can make the world right, the gospel of Christ, and that's the sword that we live by. That's the sword we live by. We live by the gospel, the fact that Christ bore our sins in His body, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by His wounds we've been healed. For we were like sheep straying, but we've now been returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. We have everything we need in Christ. We don't need it from the world. So the call is to live faithfully in good conduct, even to those who seek to wrong us. Because our Savior was wronged. Oh, how wronged He was. And yet he did not revile, but trusted to the Lord who would vindicate him. And he did by raising him from the dead. And brothers and sisters, the Lord will vindicate you if you but steadfast and persevere in him by faith. Trust the Lord. Be a good citizen. Work hard for those who are over you, a boss, a worker. Because when it's all said and done, You want to make much of Christ through both your words and your deeds so that if persecution should arise, it won't be because you were just merely out doing bad things, being rebellious. If suffering does arise, it will be against you merely because you are a follower of Jesus. And if you suffer for doing good, there You are just like Christ. What a glorious thing to be, just like Christ. Trust the one who has vengeance. Trust the one who will just judge justly. Free yourself to forgive, to live in faithful submission to the laws of the land, only breaking those laws when they seek to turn you away from God to reject His Word, and to deny Christ. If they do that, then you say with Peter and the apostles, we must obey God rather than men. God bless.